In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash Vienna and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash Vienna, V-I-E-N-N-A. Thanks for your help. I've thought this, this thought of many times in a relationship where I think I'm done. I feel it, mm-hmm. but I'm waiting for something big to happen. I want them to cheat. Mm-hmm. I want them to do some infraction that I get to point to and right. say, that's why I'm leaving. I need something big mm-hmm. because then it can be their fault and not just the decision where I'm choosing. This isn't it for me. I'm Vienna Farron, a licensed marriage and family therapist. This is a show where I speak with anonymous guests every week about challenges they're facing. I'm the author of the national best-selling book, The Origins of You, which explores how to break family patterns so that you can liberate the way you live and love. I hope what you hear today helps you as you go through your own journey. Our guests are anonymous. Names and other personally identifiable details within their stories may be changed or excluded. Conversations with participants are limited consultations. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. It is for informational purposes only. If you've ever had the experience of knowing better, but then you find yourself right back at choosing the same patterns, then this conversation will likely land. Sophie is frustrated with herself. She gets lost in the details, tries to understand why she is the way that she is, and worries about not being able to follow through on change when it presents in the future. She moves away from just connecting with the here and now, making space to feel and experience what's true for her. In the conversation, we find ourselves going around in circles a bit until she has a breakthrough. It's remarkable the shift that happens when we take just one thing off the table. I see patterns that I'm in now that I've been in before. I can always justify, explain how it's different this time. So this is new. I learned my lesson before, right? But there's still a similar thread, and I get stuck in a pattern of feeling clueless on when to draw the line. Mm -hmm. When is it time to leave? Is it this small infraction? Was this big enough Mm -hmm. to leave for? Um, I stay way too long. I only know that because once I do exit a relationship and look back, It feels obvious. So why can't I see it before it gets too big? Why can't I see it when it's big? Why don't I leave? How can I prevent myself from doing this in the future? Mm -hmm. Are you someone who has left in the past, or are you someone who the other person tends to end it with? 
I leave always. Okay. It's just that the buildup is something that you tolerate. I guess historically you have tolerated too much. And then once you leave, there's what criticism of self or regret or shame? Embarrassment that I fell in love with a story Mm -hmm. that I crafted and spent so much energy upkeeping and that I couldn't see it was a story. What's the story serve? That they're who I need them to be. And who you need them to be is what? Someone who cares for me, who tends to my needs, who shows up, Mm -hmm. prioritizes me. Mm -hmm. What is the absence of those things in your story? Do you have an idea? What do you mean, absence? I think sometimes when we crave for that, right, when we are kind of creating the story that this is who these people need to be, oftentimes that stems from the absence of having it, right? I need you to care about me. I need you to prioritize me. You know, I need you to tend to my emotional being and and makeup. And so when I need that from another might I have not had that from someone I wished I had? I think the absence of it seems like I should leave. So if I find reasons why there's an excuse why it didn't show up, mm-hmm. it allows me to stay. Mm-hmm. And it puts me in the role of pretty much choosing any excuse that they share with me as, oh, okay, you do love me, you do care about me. It's just this this happened or you couldn't because of this. Totally understand. Let me be the supporting partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me be the supporting partner. I totally get it. Thank you. Let me be the safe place for you to show up so that you can show up for me, right? Mm-hmm. Let me just keep putting the work in there because I have to do my part, right? I can't change you. So let me just accept. So the absence of it almost feels like a direct, you don't matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. Like the internal system is so clever, right? Like you're really good at negotiating with yourself. Mm -hmm. That's what I hear you describing. It's like you're very skilled at it. And maybe they are too, right? The excuses that they give. And But I, I almost think that it really doesn't matter how they present that the part of you that wants so badly for that care and that love and that prioritization to happen is so willing to negotiate with yourself that they could present any excuse really and you know you would find a way to to allow it I feel myself as as they're going to tell me their excuse Mm -hmm. almost like it you're right. It doesn't matter. Say anything. Yeah. So I can use that and say, just give me a bite. Yep. Yeah. So maybe let's take the angle though of absence of those things outside of your romantic relationships. Okay. Like the first time that you experienced the absence of those things, or maybe it's even in the observation or the witnessing, right? I know you said you're reading my, my book and 
And so you're maybe familiar with the idea of like, okay, what did I see growing up? What did I experience growing up? Did I see two adults together? Did I see care and, you know, attunement and prioritization there? Did I not feel prioritized as a kiddo? I'm just curious maybe a bit about the origins of what you're describing here. You know, all of this stems from the fact that I feel I am a subconscious, masterful storyteller Mm -hmm. to make sense of what's going on. And when I'm reading your book, I think, oh, I could have that wound. That could that could have stemmed from this. Oh, there's another wound, probably that, right? And so my logical mind is going through and saying, boom, 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 boom. And at the end, I think, where do I start? Mm-hmm. What's really the core of it? And to be honest, I don't trust myself to know. Mm. I could tell you the absence of it in my family was I didn't see conflict. I thought my parents got along great. I've never heard them raise their voice at each other. I've never seen conflict between them. It seemed very loving. What I understand now getting older, looking back, is my dad was very emotionally absent. My mom did the work to show up in ways that emotionally took care of me and my brother to initiate love and connection with my father It was always her doing all the work and fully accepting him for who he is. Mm. So I think that idea of you put in the work, you keep showing up, you can't control other people. And you know what? Your job isn't to. Your job is to love them for Mm -hmm. who they are. Stop trying to control other people by getting them to change. You focus on you and being the best partner you can. Mm -hmm. Is that wrong? Is that healthy? Mm. (laughs) I think it's getting me in trouble. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really nuanced conversation and exploration, right? Of like, to accept someone, to step away from controlling someone, right? These are not black and white answers, right? These are really nuanced answers, but really particular to how it relates and pertains to your own story, You said that you don't trust yourself. It's not shocking to me because you've spent a lot of time negotiating with yourself. It's very hard to trust yourself with yourself when you are constantly denying and negotiating and then renegotiating what it is that you're feeling and having to change what you feel in order to permit something that likely doesn't feel okay to you or likely crosses some kind of a boundary, right? But in order to stay, you have to deny or reject something in your own experience in order to allow it, yeah? Mm -hmm. Right? And so over time, right, it's like, yeah, no wonder it's hard for you to trust yourself. No wonder it is hard for you to like, even have a relationship with self, capital S self, like authentic, like Mm -hmm. how how do I actually feel here? I don't even know how to answer that question. And I'm sure that that's exhausting. (laughs) Emotionally exhausted, as your t-shirt says. Yes. I love, I love a prepared, (laughs) I love a prepared individual. Um, Yeah. It sounds like you, well, let me ask you the impact and you might not know the answer right now, or maybe again, the negotiation with with self, but the impact of watching 
your parents engaged this way, right? You said emotionally unavailable, distracted father, and then a mom who worked really hard and maybe what was doing some of that gymnastics herself too. Like, how can I just love and accept this person and show up and do the work and keep coming back, even if I'm not getting what I would prefer or what I would desire, what I would wish for. And you didn't see a ton, like you said, not really conflict. I don't know if you experienced or energetically felt anything from her or if she was just so kind of buttoned up and like, this is, this is just what we do. And I don't have complaints here and smile on the face and (laughs) move forward. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what you saw and experienced. My mother radiated joy, love. I've never heard her complain, but she wasn't on the other side of the coin, uh, oh, look at all this hard work I have to do. Or, you know, it was just enjoyed life. Mm. My dad was in the house. He financially kept us in a stable environment in terms of, you know, steady paycheck, which allowed my mom the freedom to dig into different types of jobs she was interested in, Mm. photography, real estate, whatever she wanted. And she was the one who knew my best friend's names, my favorite color, My dad, on the other hand, had no idea what grade I was in. Mm. It didn't seem intentional neglect. And I don't, if I'm being honest, feel it had an impact on me. I'm sure it did, witnessing the, the relationship. But in terms of feeling neglect from him or not interested in me, I didn't notice it because she was so interested in me. Mm. I was so adored and loved by her. She was so involved in my life in a way that felt celebrated. Mm -hmm. So I didn't feel a void in terms of his involvement in my life. If I didn't have her, I'm sure I would have. It's an interesting thing that you're pointing out, right? It is, yeah, this is like who he was. I'm used to it. I got a lot of what I needed from her. And when that is there, when when my cup is being filled by someone, then, yeah, tolerating that is okay. Sounds like your mom did that so beautifully as a mama and, you know, like really special relationship there. Can you tell me a little bit about her now? Did she pass? Yeah, she passed away in 2014, breast cancer. Mm -hmm. What has it been like to exist in the world without her? Like what she was filling for me in my cup, right? What she was filling in my cup. I don't have a replacement for it. Mm. I'm seeking it. I'm crafting wonderful stories to make it look like it is. But it's not. And I think, am I supposed to depend on another person to fulfill this? Isn't that codependency? If I fulfill it for myself, which I think is the healthy route, will I notice if a partner isn't fulfilling it? Will I still fall into the same 
cycle that I think my mom fell into, where my role is to accept somebody fully because, hey, I've got me, right? I can fulfill my cup. I can be what my mother was to me for me. So will I fall into that trap again, which is what I'm in now, where my role is to support another person? I don't know if that'll get worked out. I don't trust myself to leave if I don't feel I'm getting my needs met. Mm-hmm. Can we try this one more time and have you really connect to the question of what it is like for you to exist in the world without your mom? I think you described that she is not able to fill your cup now and there isn't a replacement to that. And I can probably connect some dots, but I'd love to hear what it feels like for you to live in the world without your mom. It's lonely. It's lonely and quiet. Mm. breathe. I feel scared, but I'm not going to find something in my life that feels as loving and unconditional and supportive. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe just notice where in your body you feel the tension, the tightness. My jaw, mm-hmm. my chest. Mm-hmm. You want to, yeah, just let a little bit of it out. Good. And if you want to put a hand on your chest, if that feels supportive, but only whatever feels authentic for you. Yeah. Yeah. What's happening inside? (sighs) I think I'm just really scared to be alone. Yeah. And I will cling to any relationship because at least there's sprinkles of good times. Yeah. Rather than nothing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your whole system, it's so clever and brilliant and smart it's like oh no i'm too scared for this what do we need to do to keep something what do we need to do to make something that's not okay okay yeah what else is there you look deep in thought just thinking of the ways in which i cling to something, whether that's exaggerating the sprinkles of good times, Mm -hmm. minimizing the things that don't align with the story I want to tell myself, Mm -hmm. but also the shape-shifting I do to be whatever they value, need, can see, to feel like I'm worthy of their investment time. Don't you see me? Don't you see how valuable I am? Mm -hmm. 
shouldn't you treat me in a certain way, right? I'm trying to control the way that they show up. Yeah. I think you have tried to think your way through a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes when we try to think our way through things, it requires us to disconnect from feeling our way through things. You know, there are times that I can really feel it, mm-hmm. and I know this isn't okay. And I communicate it. Mm-hmm. Hey, this hurt. This made me feel this way. When they say an excuse, I immediately go into the role of supporting them. Mm-hmm. It almost feels instinctual. I can't trust myself in those moments not to, or to know that I'm doing it. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. If you didn't go into the supporting role, what would happen is... I would realize they're not going to meet my need and I would have to make a decision. Mm. And I know the right decision would be to end the relationship. And everything in me doesn't want that. The untangling I would have to do of the story, mm-hmm. the investment and commitment I had to the story, mm-hmm. my time and energy, it's giving up all that mm-hmm. on top of recognizing it was never there in the first place. Mm. Doing that for years is even harder. You want to admit I've been doing this for years? Mm -hmm. They're the perpetrator, right? They're the ones not listening, not validating, not caring for me. It's hard to admit that I crafted a story that wasn't true in the first place. I hear you say that, and... I have found you to be very forthcoming about yourself and everything that plays out. So I hear you saying it's hard to admit. It would require me to admit. And here I am sitting and like, you've admitted it all. Actually, here, I'm new to you. And seems like you've almost admitted that you've also admitted it to yourself too at other times. And so I'm wondering about that admittance piece because you're kind of clinging to that as if that that would require something big of you. And what I'm seeing is a human who actually has admitted that already quite a bit, is very aware of it, is in contact with it. Mm. You know, for a long time, I would tell stories of my exes or past relationships to different groups of people out and about having a drink, you know, because it's so crazy and insane. And one time, a coworker told me, hey, I hope you don't take this in a negative way, but the one common denominator in these stories is you. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time instead of saying, oh, them, 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 right? It was, hmm, how am I attracting this? Why am I allowing this? I wish I could say after that moment, I took accountability and and moved on. 
but I still, in the midst of a relationship, will focus on what they're not doing, how they're not showing up, how they're not caretaking for my pain when I talk about it. And honestly, it wasn't until three weeks ago getting confirmation that we were going to meet that I really wanted to do some work to understand my accountability in this, Mm -hmm. what went wrong, that I came back to that same conclusion that, sure, they aren't meeting me. But instead of the pointing the finger there, why didn't I notice that in the beginning? There were always examples. There were always signs. Why did I overlook that? How can I stop doing that? Because yes, at this point, yes, I can say, I see it. I know I should leave. Sure. A lot of entanglement. Sure. But I didn't for a really, really long time Mm -hmm. when I should have. There were signs from day one. I look at them like, well, we all have our stuff. We all don't show up great sometimes. Seems like there's a reason for it. They gave me one. That makes sense. And I go on each day by day by day until it feels at the end like a death by a thousand cuts to where I'm bleeding out by all these tiny infractions, Mm -hmm. to where those tiny infractions become medium and large, right? Because my baseline threshold for what I will handle has risen to a point that is embarrassing to admit. Why do I get to that point? Why can't I see it in the beginning or in the middle? I think you have that answer. You gave it before. You're protecting. Yeah. And there's a part of you that wants to focus on the past. You know, like, how could I? And I tolerated this. And And like, you keep coming back to the beginning point, right, over and over and over again, instead of being here. Okay, I'm aware of it now. Mm. I recognize it now. Right, the how could I, I can't believe I, right? All of those questions, they pull you out of right here. Okay, right now. Hmm. What's there for you right now? Just keep flashing back to beginning parts of our relationship when things happened that the me now, the realization now still wants to say, gotta see that next time then. Why'd you miss it there? Why did it take three years? How can I trust myself to open up to somebody else again and think I might not be able to see it for three years? Why can't I? How do I get out of that loop? Well, but you keep missing it right now because you keep going back to then. You're like, okay, I see it. See it, can connect it. But now I need to jump out of this moment and go to either the earlier moment or the next moment. I think it's, I know what I need to do now. I think in terms of healing, Mm -hmm. trusting myself going forward, I don't trust myself to see it again. I've never had an example where I saw it and acted on it. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean by missing the moment Mm. is The opportunity is consistently in front of you to act on it. So every time you don't act on it, you continue to add a data point. And that could be minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. 
you can accumulate a lot there. How do I know if I can trust myself? By seeing something and honoring and feeling and connecting to and then doing something about it that is in alignment for you, bit by bit. How do we reestablish trust when we've lost it? One of the hardest things to do, right? It really is one of the hardest things to do, to reestablish it once it's gone. There's a, a quote from Ernest Hemingway that says, the best way to know if you can trust someone is by trusting them. And that might send shockwaves through some people's systems. It's not an eyes closed type of trust. It's an eyes wide open, discerning type of trust that says there are no guarantees in life. We can do the best we can, but there are no promises, no guarantees in that way. Anything can happen. I think we all learn that at some point. And so to trust oneself requires a risk in trusting oneself. It requires an attempt at doing something slightly differently than you've done it before. And that's what I mean by missing the moment each time, right? Is that you see it and then you move yourself away from it, either back or forwards. How will I know if I will just do this again the next time? I can't believe I did, didn't see this before. You move yourself out of what you know. And what I, when I say no, I mean here, head, here, heart, body, gut, intuition, experiential, what I know right now. Because you keep telling me what you know. You keep telling me what you know. You keep telling me what you have seen and acknowledged. And then you keep displaying how you move away from what you know. But you move away from what you know as a self-protective strategy. I mean, that's where the gentleness and the compassion and the grace for self has got to come in. Because if you honor what you know, what you're telling me is that you would probably have to leave a lot of these relationships. I just wonder if I need a handful of data points before I can honor what I know, because then I can trust what I know is real. These one-offs, these tiny little cuts, there's always a reason. There's always something that makes sense that it's hard for me to go, "Mm," you know, trust my intuition. I'm looking for an example of how it's a one-off, how there's a crazy scenario. I'm looking for, gosh, we need multiple data points for someone to show us who they are, right? But there's nothing big enough for you yeah, because context makes sense. Always. You know what's so interesting about nothing big enough for me is I've thought this this thought of many times in a relationship where I think I'm done, I feel it, Mm -hmm. but I'm waiting for something big to happen. I want them to cheat. Mm -hmm. I want them to do some infraction that I get to point to and say, that's why I'm leaving. I need something big. Mm -hmm. Because then it can be their fault. And not just a decision where I'm choosing, this isn't it for me. Yeah. I'm protecting that they're not a bad person. 
Well, it's more palatable for others, yeah? For sure. It's easier to understand. It's easier to get support. It's easier to... Get validation that why you left was a justifiable reason. Yeah. You don't leave a marriage with a baby because this doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. You work through it. Yeah. Countless stories of people who tell me, gosh, my relationship was like that too. Now look at us. We're so close and connected. Mm -hmm. I think, okay, put your head down. Do more work. Be, Be the supportive partner. Right? What do you think your mom would say? It's tough because she never really told me her thoughts on things, Mm. which I appreciated. (laughs) (laughs) She knew I knew what was best. She instilled a, you know what's best for you, and I know you know. And I always felt that with her. So I don't know where that went. Mm-hmm. Did you have a relationship with that before? With? Trusting yourself, knowing yourself, knowing what's best. For sure. Yeah. When did it change? When I get into relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's always been there? It's tough. The one relationship I can tell when it started to surface was also around the same time that she was passing away. Mm. So, Yeah. Do you think that there's something in you that that died when she did? I don't think I knew it then, but it feels like maybe so now. That there's some reminder from her, just a little voice in my head of, you've got this, you know what to do, that's quiet. There's a lot of other areas of my life where I feel I trust myself. My intuition is strong to understand what I need to do. With romantic relationships, it feels fragile. The intuition feels fragile. It feels very susceptible. Let's take one last break. We'll be right back. You okay to close your eyes? Yeah. Yeah, I want to see if we can visualize your intuition. Just like let it come outside of you for a moment and just let it be placed in front of you. Maybe I'll just have you first start by describing what you see, shape, color, size, movement. Like a hexagon shape. Mm -hmm. It's bluish. It's radiating. It takes up the whole room Mm. with the vibrations. Mm -hmm. And now let's just enter it into relationship, romantic relationship, and just let's notice what changes with it. Shape, size, color, movement. Small. Vibration is almost non-existent to see. Mm. Mm -hmm. Is it just standing on its own? Just sort of like floating on its own? Mm -mm. Where is it? 
It's kind of like making room for other things. It's tilted toward something, mm. not toward me. Okay. Slight, well, slight towards. Yeah. Okay. I want you to speak to it and tell it what you notice, what stands out to you about it in relationship. Speak directly to it. Tell it what you're seeing. And if you have some questions for it, that's great. That's fine. But, you know, you, you started describing it to me, what shifted. And I want you to just bring your observing eye to this moment. Like, hey, intuition, like, here's, what I, here's what I see in you. You're smaller. You're tilted away. You're distracted. What do you notice? You are scared. Mm. You are small. You've lost your voice. You're turning towards something, but nothing's there. Mm. You're waiting for something. Mm. You want to ask it what it's waiting for? What are you waiting for? And just see if you might get a response from that. Does it want to share anything with you? Something along the lines of for something to to tell me how to be bright for it, how to vibrate for it. It wants you to vibrate for it? It wants something to appear to tell it. Mm. This thing that appears that says, hey, this is how... Mm-hmm. What I need from you is, is is waiting for instructions. Yeah. I think that's you. I think that's you. But why? Because only you can decide. Because only you can choose. Because only you are what it can trust. You can't outsource this. No one is going to come in and give you the answer. It's looking for you, right? It's looking for you to merge back with it. What resistance do you feel to that? Or frustration or irritation? I know how quickly it comes back when I'm not in a romantic relationship I'm committed to. Mm. Feels effortlessly yeah. bright, brilliant, big again, mm-hmm. happy. So is that it? Do I stick with myself forever? Because the moment I let someone else in, I can't trust that I'll lose my intuition again. I don't think that that's the ultimate answer. I don't think that that's what this is about. I don't think it's about existing and I either live with self and that's it or I live with other and I'm disconnected from self. I think that that is what you have known lately and I think it's maybe where the mind goes of like it's either this or that. But the idea of being able to exist in partnership, right, in relationship where you're intact, right, 
and the relationship is intact. It is, I don't know if it's something that you believe in, right? If there's a possibility for that. You didn't see it growing up between two adults, you know? You experienced some of it with your mom, right? But I don't know that you have many models of, yeah, I can be intact with myself and a relationship, a romantic relationship can can be intact too. And so right now you're really existing in, yeah, the binary, right? It's either this or that. I don't know anything in between. Hmm. Tell me what you're experiencing right now. I feel there's a, there's just like this blank, white, open, I don't want to say field, right? Because it gives Mm -hmm. it a landscape, but just this void of how to coexist with somebody and keep that. Like, I feel like I want to know what do I need to work on or think through or how do I keep this? When I feel her again, when she's vibrating and big, how do I keep this? What am I doing or thinking or believing that turns it? How do I keep the relationship? No, how do I keep my intuition that's big and strong and happy and that I feel when I'm single? That mm-hmm. I've how do I keep that when I join a relationship? Well, there's not much space for it, right? There's not much space for it because it knows that if it is there, then you're not guaranteed the relationship. Yeah. It doesn't mean that the relationship has to go. It just means that the guarantee mm-hmm. isn't there. You are able to tolerate a lot. The one thing that you struggle to tolerate is the possibility of things ending. Mm-hmm. How does that feel? True. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, the need to love and protect that intuition override wanting to keep and cling to connection. I want that to be Mm -hmm. the case. Can we replace connection with something that's more appropriate? Because I don't know that you have described a lot of connection. Not being alone. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, let it be there. Yeah, if my emotion could speak right now, what it would say is. Oof. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What does that reveal to you? How scared I am of being alone. Mm Mm-hmm. And in some ways, you might already feel that a bit. 
right? You're talking about sort of the physical presence, but maybe there's some emotional loneliness and physical loneliness at times, some mental loneliness. It's almost like the distraction of having a physical presence at least take up some airtime. Sure does. Makes it not feel as lonely. Right. Or the... It's very convincing. The illusion. Yeah, it's very convincing. But we could probably argue that a lot of the existence is lonely or alone, even now, even in relationship. I think, too, thinking if my mom passed away when I was really little, I would have my father who wasn't. (laughs) present I would be alone Mm -hmm. I always think thank god she passed away when I was a bit older Mm -hmm. so without her Mm. I would have been very alone yeah and it's really important that you don't you don't exit your intuition that you don't exit yourself that you don't participate in the self-loneliness. You saw what changed in your intuition. Big, bold presence, beaming, beautiful. That's your intuition alone. That's your intuition lonely. Yeah. We don't know what outcomes will be. We don't know. But I can tell you that you are much more likely to walk an aligned path with yourself and with others when you're connected to self. And I know that that risks things. (laughs) Life is challenging and complex and infuriating at times. But it requires us to risk something. Right? It requires us to release the guarantee. It says, please be connected to self. Stay connected to self. And then see what happens, right? Exist in the possibility. And some relationships might end. Mm-hmm. And others might stay. But you staying with you is a must, is a non-negotiable. Yeah. You know, in your book on boundaries, you mentioned the Oriya poem, mm. The Invitation. Yeah. I forget the line exactly. I want to know if you can disappoint another to stay true to yourself. And you said it, it broke you open. You yeah. Cried. I felt that too when I read that. And I thought, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have done... A lot of convincing. And you have worked so hard. And I don't know what your outcomes will be. I don't know. I don't know what will happen in your relationship or future relationships. But I think one thing that we do know is that this work for you is a practice of coming back into yourself over and over again. Even when you don't do it, even when you exit, then the next time to try to come back into yourself. 
to try to stay connected with self and to honor that and to make space for that. I feel that. Yeah. The outcomes are really intolerable to you right now. Yeah, they're really intolerable right now. Okay. You don't need to force anything. You don't need to go do anything right now. Right? It's just the noticing. It's like, uh-oh, yep, that outcome is intolerable right now in this moment. Mm-hmm. Right? It's intolerable because your brain is still working really hard to negotiate even probably in this conversation right now, right? Okay, your brain's doing its thing. Mm-hmm. It's protecting. It's doing what it's, yeah, it's designed, right? To like protect and safeguard and make sure that we don't wind up alone, okay? Or disappointing another. Or disappointing another. Hurting somebody else. Mm-hmm. Making other people uncomfortable. Why'd you leave? Nothing bad really happened. Yeah, sure. So... Okay, your brain's doing that. But if we can just find moments to put that on pause, put it down, place it off to the side, and make a little bit of space, just a practice of it, five minutes, 10 minutes, a day, a week, whatever you want to give it time to be, to just make space, to let intuition take up some space, right? to feel what's there, to notice without this part up here, trying to convince it out of what is there. You don't need to make any grand gestures right now. You don't need to do anything. All that's asked is to just make a little bit of space for you, for self. You think you could do that? Yeah, I think I have to. Mm -hmm. Especially with a daughter. Tiny yeah. baby, right? Yeah. I want to be the example of what that looks like. So maybe she has an example of how to stay in tune. Yeah. Feels important. Mm-hmm. Kids can be beautiful motivators for us. And you are enough of the motivation too. Just want to remind you of that. It's just crazy what a sense of knowing feels like when you just sit with it for a minute. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. Remove the doing mm-hmm. entirely. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to go do anything. Just feel. Right? Just feel. Just practice feeling. Let that muscle build. It's not strong enough yet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's not strong enough yet. So when you try to like encourage it to go do, it's like, nope. Like atrophies immediately. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I, thank I you. visualized that. Yeah. My little hexagon went. Yeah. Yep. Bye bye. I'm out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just stardust. <laughs> Poof. Nope. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's just take that off the table. And what you just described, an environment to invite that in. Mm -hmm. And then you can put it back, put it off to the side, go about your day, whatever you need to do. Pull it back out when you've got some room and space. Okay? Yep. No doing. 
That's helpful. No doing. Yeah, no doing. Just want to check in with you. Any final thoughts or reflections or anything more you want to say? I was looking at the the subway map on the train on the way here. And all the colors and the different trains and it's crossing over each other. And I thought, this is how I feel about which wound is it and what led me here? And then what about this moment? Was that another, you know, wound? And I just, it felt so dizzying. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a different sense of knowing to just feel inward. Sometimes the map is actually just the distraction. Yeah. Really take that in. Where did it come from? How did I get here? Which wound is it? I've got all, did it right? It's a distraction away from feeling. 100%. That is your only job. That is your only invitation. You don't need to make sense of it. You don't need to understand it. All you need to do is make room for it. It's just so funny that why have I never thought about feelings that come up without attaching it to a do. Why mm. does that seem unnatural? When I think about the map, it feels dizzying, right? When I think about how I feel in terms of visualizing my intuition, seeing how it reacts, it feels so simple, so clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know why it's never occurred to me to let go of the do mm. or that there's value in just not even value, knowledge mm-hmm. and sitting with the feeling. But it's the deepest, most, there's just so much clarity in it. It feels strange. Well, I'm grateful for this conversation and holding space for the strange. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. When we talk about the topic of trust, we often talk about how to know whether we can trust another. But what we don't focus as much time and energy on is a relationship with trusting ourselves. Sophie struggles to trust herself. She doesn't believe that she can make any of the changes she knows she ought to make. This lack of trust creates complicated relationship with self, one where her intuition is yearning for her to re-enter. The fear of doing really taking action, keeps her from even making space to feel. But once we take doing off the table, space starts to open up. She doesn't have to protect as strongly, and she can begin to allow what's true to exist without feeling the pressure to do anything about it. Has the pressure of taking action ever kept you from letting yourself feel? That's the beauty of what was revealed in this conversation. When I make space to let myself feel without the pressure to do something I'm not quite ready to do, I begin practicing honoring what's there and building trust around it. The more you allow yourself to feel without tampering with it, the more self-trust will build. Sometimes you just need to be, to make space for what's there and to trust that what becomes revealed will lead you to what's next. 
I hope what you heard was helpful. If you like the show, tell your friends and loved ones to listen. It would also mean so much to me if you would rate and review This Keeps Happening on Apple Podcasts. This Keeps Happening is hosted by me, Vienna Farron, with production support from Manola Morales and Anita Flores. Our engineers are Jared O'Connell and Brendan Burns. Our theme music is by Casey Holford. Our managing producer is Tamika Weatherspoon. Our executive producers are Josephine Martirana from Stitcher Studios, Keith O'Connell, and Will Rogers from Soundbite Entertainment. Stitcher.